everyone. Welcome to HubShots episode 304. We're going to talk about what was useful from HubSpot's inbound event this year and all the new product announcements. And what does that mean for you? Because at the end of the day, they've got to be useful and be making you money. So we're going to touch on a few things like the new AI campaign assistant, workflow cleanup tools, mid-journey prompts, and some cool actually apps that are in the app store. And we'll talk about the number of app partners as well. So all featuring in this episode. So Craig, what is our growth thought of the week? It's good to start from this perspective, I think. And look, this is going to be a monster episode, so much to cover. But for people like you and me, Ian, we're HubSpot partners and for other HubSpot partners and people that uh, listeners to this show, you probably know a lot about Inbound. And it's the annual event. It's a highlight of the year. But for most HubSpot customers and the ones we work with, we were chatting with them after, or well, actually during the week Inbound was on and afterwards, and we're like, oh, asking them their thoughts. And they're like, they didn't even know it was on. That's because HubSpot is just one of many applications they're using in their business. And it can be easy to kind of fall into this trap of thinking, oh, HubSpot's the center of the world because it is for us, but for our clients, it's not. And so when we were chatting with them, instead of them being excited about things like we were, they're like, oh, is there anything I should know about? You know, this kind of, the question is, I don't care that there was the HubSpot conference. I don't care there was 150 million product announcements and all of this and AI that, which we're going to talk about in the show. They're just like, is there anything I should know about? And I thought it was a great lesson for us to be aware of, we've got to talk to what the customers are interested in. So for example, they don't care that Reese Witherspoon was a speaker at Inbound. They don't care about all the keynotes on AI. They actually don't really care what HubSpot refers to themselves. Are they a customer platform? Who cares? So I think that's the takeaway. Aim to provide value to your customers and help your customers provide value to their customers on their terms, not yours. Anyway, we've talked about this and we've got a LinkedIn article as well where you can chat and join the discussion, maybe add a, co- a comment or two. But there were some interesting signposts, I think, because that's my experience talking with customers. Before I move on, Ian, what's been your experience chatting with customers in and around inbound? What was their, well, first of all, understanding of it and interest? It's been very similar. Or they went, oh, it's not in Australia. So it's like extra effort for me to get there. And when I did get back and I was talking to customers, people did ask me, oh, yeah, what was what did you learn and how can I apply it to my business? And I thought that was when – I, when I heard that and then I was talking to you, I was like, oh, hang on a second. <laughs> They're all asking the same question. And people are busy, right? So I think people are really busy these days. They're not – sitting and waiting for things to to learn other things. They're just trying to get their own jobs done. What's been fascinating is actually demonstrating these things and also putting it into practice. And I think when we try things out, especially beta features sometimes, it doesn't crack up to everything that it looks like it is. But I think what I do discover, it's like they're happy to start somewhere and they're happy to carry on from that point, understanding that it is still being developed. So that's kind of a good thing. And I think people have got into that frame of mind of, I can start using something, I can learn and I can progress with it, which I think is actually really nice. Yeah. We're going to talk about a few of them. For example, the prospecting tool, you're going to chat about a little bit later in the show. That was a good announcement of sorts at the conference in terms of a product announcement. 
which does provide value for customers. But just going back a step, I like to look at inbound as a signpost for what HubSpot's hearing from their customers. So I've just talked about, and you've just talked about what we kind of hear from customers. Oh, they didn't even know it was an event. Well, what's HubSpot hearing from their customers? And here's another trap that you can fall into in your business. You assume that because you're doing something, that of course everyone's doing it. Let's chat about AI. Here's a simple example, chat GPT or AI tools. Now they're all throughout our business. I can't believe how quickly our team has just adopted everything, chat GPT, mid-journey, all these AI tools, video, everything. It doesn't matter. It's all part of process. I love going into chat GPT and seeing what people are prompting on and it's just everywhere. And it's easy to think, oh, well, of course, it's, it's just we've taken to it so easily. Oh, surely all companies are doing that. Well, no, here's where the HubSpot conference uh, keynotes are really helpful because all three, mainly um, not so much the product amounts, announcements around trends, they were talking about AI on the product, but Damesh especially and Yamini also talking about AI and trends and almost trying to convince the audience that this was something they should be paying attention to and not to be fearful of it and how they can look at using it in their business. And I was like, I found this really strange. I'm like, ah, oh, that's great feedback because it means the, the, that what HubSpot's hearing is that this is new, it's unknown, people aren't embracing it, and therefore they – I don't want to use the word dumb it down because it's not as though people are not intelligent. It's like what you said before. They're busy. They're overwhelmed. They've got work to do. They don't have the luxury of investigating a new AI tool or being across all the suite – of AI options out there. And so HubSpot's bringing that in. It's making, they're making it as simple as possible to surface AI functionality in the product, but they're also talking about it at length in their keynotes and just kind of preparing people that this is the way forward. So I thought that was a really interesting signpost and also a reminder for us and for listeners. A lot of our listeners will be like us and they will be excited about HubSpot and they know AI. And then you fall into the trap of thinking your clients do too. Our job is really to help clients embrace that and use it to improve efficiency in their businesses. Do you feel a similar way from that, from the keynotes? I mean, you were there, by the way. I should say, I just watched the keynotes on YouTube. You were actually there. What was the vibe there in, in Boston? To be honest, Craig, it felt a bit like it used to feel. There were a lot less people this year. When I say a lot less, there were still 12,000 people. And if I recall when we used to attend previously, it was twenty two to twenty seven thousand people. So yes, there are a lot more, lot less people. But I think that you did it really well. I didn't like some of the stages. It was a bit. It kind of moved into the main area, you know, where the after the stage and you've got all of the stalls mm. and booths. And there were some stages there. So it kind of made it sometimes a bit hard to listen, but also made it very accessible. So if you like something, you could go. If you didn't like it, you'd get up and go and do something else. So in that perspective, it was well organized. Everything worked. They had a great pass system with for exchanging details with people, which I thought was really efficient. Went into the app. You know, you could get the details. You didn't have to fluff around and figure out how am I going to communicate with this person if you like them and you wanted to talk to them later. So that was really nice. People were happy to be there. They were, you know, what I really enjoyed was meeting everyone, was meeting people that I haven't seen for a long time, some new friends, people I've only seen online Mm -hmm. from from having new relationships. And so I think that was... 
like when if I think back and I go, what was the highlight? Like, yeah, there were keynotes and there were new features, but it was really the people and the differences they've made to me and to even to you, right? Like, so we'll talk about some of the people that we met as we go on. But I think that was the big thing. Like, I just loved hanging out with people and experiencing new things. So, yeah. Yeah, really good. I saw a lot of it on LinkedIn. And by the way, listeners, listeners will know I'm not on social much, but I'm really trying to get back into LinkedIn because it's actually really useful. I don't know if it's because Twitter has turned into a bit of a dumpster fire and everyone's moved over to LinkedIn, or maybe I just wasn't following the right people. But my LinkedIn feed has improved considerably. And I'm now actually spending LinkedIn. I'm actually getting value from it. And I follow a lot of HubSpot people now. And I was seeing some of the updates, a lot of excitement. And there was a very, it was a strong community sense. Since died down a bit, I think, from after the conference. We're recording this in October now. So it's almost a month after the conference. So I really sensed that, even though I wasn't there, that, that sense of community. So I, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. And I guess people have come back or they've gone back home and they've thought about, well, how can I use this? What can I do? And they've just got back into their routine. Now, I did struggle coming back home <laughs> because I went via the UK. And hey, guess what? I miss Chris Motra, our producer. And Chris, it was lovely having dinner with you. And believe it or not, listeners, eight years after we start the podcast, we both happened to be not in our home countries, but in a different country. And we met, met each other and enjoyed a meal together. And you know what? It's like we knew each other for the last eight years. And we were just talking as friends, talking about all different things. And I know Chris has listened to the podcast because he enjoyed talking about planes, cars, and all sorts of things. So it was fantastic. The night kind of, mm. it, it disappeared very quickly. And before I think I knew it, it was close to midnight when we were going home. But it was so good. So Chris, thank you for being a part of the journey, being with us and taking an interest. And that was one of the big things, I think. When people take interest in others and they take interest in their business, the whole relationship transforms. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. All the people that I met at Inbound, they genuinely care about others. And I think that's what I would like to take away from here. Plus AI, right? So everything has AI in it. And that was a lot of discussion. I think, like you rightly said, Craig, people know that it's there. They just don't know how should we apply this and how do we make sense of it? And how does it make our lives better? There was a really good, interesting quote from Damesh, who is the co-founder of HubSpot. And he said, yes, AI will take your job away, right? But really, you should actually have a better job because of AI and what, what's out there. So don't think of it as something that's terrible, but think of it as something where you can like leapfrog to the next phase of your life. And I think that's a very good point. Like thinking like that can really push you further ahead. All right. A few final tidbits uh, from HubSpot. I mean, this was kind of came out of the, the keynotes in some ways. Is HubSpot a customer platform? It's new messaging or wording. I think they're just testing. I think they are, Craig, yeah. because they mentioned a few times and it, I, it kind of perked my ear and I went, hang on, what, was the, what did they just say? Customer platform. I think you're right. They are testing this because if you see, if you read their website and you'll see the show notes, listeners, if you haven't already subscribed to the show notes, you need to go and subscribe. You get all of this in your in your inbox, even if you don't listen. So well worth it. But you will see, we'll put the links to it. There's the messaging on the homepage and there's the messaging on an internal page. 
that talks about something different. So I think they're in this transition. They're trying to figure out what they're doing. And this is clearly evident to see what's going to stick. So here are some other nuggets that uh, listeners, you may not know. 25% of attendees were predominantly in a sales-related function, which means that 75% weren't. But in previous years, like Craig, we would have not seen a salesperson at Inbound, right? Well, I don't know, actually. I'm interested because Yamini, who I saw mention it in the keynote, she was very excited that 25% are sales. So it must be a significant increase. Correct. And yep. what I thought was interesting about that was because then they talked extensively about the sales tools and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, but 75- Maybe that was to support the sales tools, Greg. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like 75% of people aren't in sales. So uh, anyway, interesting because there has been a big focus on sales lately, definitely. In That's the right. Next thing that some people might not be aware of, there are like 1,500 apps and integrations available in the marketplace, which I think is phenomenal. I think we saw it start from like a handful and now 1,500. One thing that surprised me, actually it didn't surprise me, but I think it surprised me in hearing it from Andy Petrie, was there being 200 plus features that have been rolled out in HubSpot over the last year. And if I think at the rate of change that's taking place... It's becoming a bit like Google, isn't it, Craig? It's like you turn it, turn your head and before you know it, you've got a new change. But I think they're well managed. They've made it easy to to join betas and stuff, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, look, a few comments on that. I've been surprised. Yeah, the, the rate of releases has been quite high velocity lately and yeah. high quality. We've said this a number of times on the show. I don't think I've had a bug lately. You know, I'm sure there's bugs there, but... We're not really seeing many, even in the beta products. So it's it's high quality. They've yep. got their processes working. The only thing I'll mention is that the change is starting to affect the intuitiveness of the product. And I guess every product goes through this. They get to a size where they become massive and then, oh, there's so many features. And at some point it gets complicated to use. But yep. just as a simple example, their new CTA tool, oh. you compare that to the old... <laughs> See, it was just so easy. Oh, right. Anyone could get started. Great. Quick uh, slide in form. This new CTA tool. Wow. So complex. You've got to spend an hour or two getting up to speed and getting your head around it. And I'm, like, I'm still trying to figure it out, Craig. Yeah. And I, I'm like, is that where HubSpot's heading? Uh, because to me, that feels like product rushed out, even though that took ages for them to, you know, they announced that it took months for them to put it and then it was beta and then they're rolling it out and then they're Something's changed here. There's an intuitiveness yeah. and an ease of use that is being compromised, I feel, as part of this feature velocity rollout. So I'm slightly wary of that and I'm slightly wary of how that affects customers because you've got this broad range. You've got people from free right up to enterprise. Enormously difficult job trying to be a product manager catering for that range of user. And uh, there will be compromises, of course, so, um, but... I'm just wary of what that's going to do and potentially alienate people just trying to get started with the platform. We'll see how it goes, but uh, certainly can't uh, deny they've, they're rolling out features very quickly. And the final thing, I think they took a leaf out of uh, Apple's playbook here, which was they had product stations where they had people from the product team or even product managers where you could go play with the product, talk to them, voice some of your concerns. Like in Australia, we're waiting for payments, on, which is now a commerce hub. And I got an opportunity to go and play with that, talk to the people that were developing it, ask some hard questions. So that was really good. I think 
I think they use that really well in terms of perspective of A, seeing how people are using the product and B, understanding what some of the limitations are that people often would come across. So, well, What's your thoughts on that commerce hub? Because I find that bizarre that they would make such an announcement around commerce hub when it's only available in the US. And payments itself was launched or announced at HubSpot, I think, two years ago. I think it was longer, correct? Or maybe it's longer. We still can't get it in yeah. Australia. And I'm like, that's bizarre compared to most other software vendors. Apple launches something, you get it in Australia and a bunch of other countries. You know, it's not. So there's a very US centric feel about it, which is kind of yeah. odd. And to me, that's a difficult conversation with clients because they're like, oh, what's this payments thing? It's on the menu. Oh, no, sorry, you can't get it. Oh, right. When can we get it? Oh, sorry, no one knows. It's like, what a bizarre situation to be in so that's odd and so i guess this is it it's all around compromises isn't it there's great releases there's good things and then there's these bizarre announcements and delays which yeah i guess i i, I can't I, I guess we will we will never know or we'll know one day who knows one of the things that i've noticed out of the conference is that they give no indication of where they're headed Right, so there's product announcements, there's trends about latest things, AI and stuff like that. But there's no, by the way, here's where we're heading over the next three years. Yeah. Here's, here's our North Star, here's what we're going for. It's very kind of generic and cloudy. And I think that's a difference from, I remember when I was at Inbound many years ago and HubSpot, Brian got on stage went before they launched that year. They said, oh, we're now, HubSpot is now a CRM company. Okay. And he was very clear about the direction. Here's where we're going. And it kind of took a lot of people by surprise. But he was there and he said, here's where we're going. And I've kind of felt, oh, wow, that's where HubSpot's going. Great. From this, I'm like, I don't know where HubSpot's going. And maybe that's deliberate. Maybe they don't know. But that's the problem. You kind of don't get a clear direction where they want to be in three, five years' time. So did you get a sense? Were there any sessions you went to where you kind of got a bit no, more of a North I didn't. Star guidance? And, uh, and maybe they're heading towards being a platform company as they have they've mentioned. So I think that that's, that's the interesting part. But what, but what does that even mean, right? Yeah. So there's no clarity around that. For me, if I understand it, let's say what I understand of that mm. is a single place where people can operate out of, where the system connects to a lot of, let's call it other systems, where they get a whole customer-centric view. But in saying that, so for example, if you are using an LMS, for example, right? That is the best of breed in that. So you would actually use the LMS to do what it's meant to do. You wouldn't try to build that into HubSpot, but you'd get all the essential data into HubSpot. So you could get that customer view holistically of what's going on. So I think that's kind of where I see it heading is that you will connect to these best of breed systems and then you will still have HubSpot at the core of what you're doing. It was really interesting because if I look at some of the vendors that were displaying at inbound, Survey Monkey had one of the biggest stands, Craig. Mm. And you'd be thinking, hang on, we've got Service Hub and we've got all of this functionality. Why is Survey Monkey here? Or like, how, why does it make sense for them to be here? Same with Calendly. They were there. They had a decent stand. And there were lots of these vendors, which you would have thought were competitors, but then they're, they're also differentiating things, right? So that, like I was explaining to you, Calendly, one of the things that it does quite well is it has features that HubSpot doesn't have. So people clearly use it inside, alongside HubSpot. 
and then there's a market there. It's just that sometimes we don't think there is, but there is. So it makes me think twice about certain things, just seeing what I saw at Inbound and thinking, oh, okay, well, maybe there is other ways or maybe if customers come to us and say, hey, we need this and this is not available, we often do look for alternatives, but maybe these alternatives aren't so bad. That's an interesting point. I find it interesting, the two examples you gave, Calendly and, and SurveyMonkey. There are use cases that SurveyMonkey certainly feels that Service Hub doesn't even try to. Correct. But Calendly, mm. surely they must be worried that they're just going to get Sherlocked by um, HubSpot, just by which I mean they just HubSpot will just build in those features. They would look at Calendly and say, oh, what? why are we losing to Calendly? Oh, predominantly it's this feature. Oh, great, we'll build that into HubSpot. So I kind of see that as dangerous situation to be in but overall that's just one little tactical piece overall where are they headed what are they aiming for and Mm -hmm. to me it feels like on the outside i'm sure they're very clear internally so the the only reason the only benefit or value to us talking about it here is because this is an outside perspective to me it feels like hubspot is gunning for where salesforce was 10 years ago because everything you described there all that platform hub salesforce had that and I say, well, if sure, if that's what they're gunning for, okay, well, that's fine by me. At least there's some direction, but I, I don't know. And do you know what I mean? Ian, it, it doesn't feel clear. And so the problem with that, here's, here's the problem that I see with that. If there's not that clarity, there's not that stickiness with a product. You just kind of go, oh, HubSpot, yeah, we can. If we're not sure, we won't build too much on it. We don't want to really invest if we're not sure where they're going. We'll keep it as a disposable platform. Sure, there's a lot of nice features, but we can replace it. And we've got clients doing this. You know, they'll evaluate. Oh, we're going to reevaluate HubSpot in the next couple of years and see whether there's another platform that's better. And I'm like, wow, what about all this data? I'm like, that's okay. We're building our own data lakes internally. We're pulling stuff over and, you know, we're connecting. Like, oh, okay. HubSpot is very disposable in that regard. Maybe stickier than some other products. Yeah. For example, a survey tool. (laughs) But overall, I'm like, Unless there's a confidence in the in the bigger the mid market and well enterprise probably not so much but mid market that oh this is the foundation we're building on mm-hmm. because we're very clear where they're going yeah. I kind of feel there's not a confidence to proceed anyway that's that's just my outside observations I uh, don't have any HubSpot inside knowledge on this but I think it's an interesting conversation to be talking about all right and if you're listening to this show and you haven't booked your ticket and you're in Australia there. Red Pandas are hosting the They Ask You Answer Summit in Australia on the 31st of October, where Marcus Sheridan will be flying down to talk for the day. So I encourage you all, there is a 50% discount in the show notes, which you can get if you are in Australia. So I encourage you all to be there. Craig and myself will be there for the day. So we'd love to see you. Looking forward to it. All right. Some quick shots of the week, Craig. Leads prospecting in workspace. So I've been testing this with a couple of customers. I know you've been using it too. And we've been showcasing it to customers and encouraging the sales teams to use it. So it seems to be pretty good so far. I mean, I'm enjoying it having to go. I think what's what's been the biggest thing, and someone made a comment to me today, is that, oh, I can see everything in the one place. And when I when I heard that, I was like, okay, great. So, and it started to make, it just made sense to them. They were like, oh, I don't have to go to tasks and I don't have to go here. Like, this is so much better. I can see my calendar. Oh, there's some things that the AI has uncovered. I'll have a look at that. 
So it was really good. And even just simple things like, oh, you haven't responded to this person. They've sent an email. Oh, you should respond to them. And when you respond, it disappears. It kind of disappears off that uh, list of things to do. So it was really good. So that's the one thing. So if you're not using it, enable the beta, go and use it. HubSpot AI, there was uh, everything around that and AI baked into HubSpot. Actually, can I make a comment about that? So I think what I'm pleased to see is it's not just, oh, look, we've put in a button that'll do some chat GPT calls for you. Oh, set my description and all of that. Oh, here's some social thing. They're, like that's all there, but all that noise kind of stuff that's not particularly valuable, they're now expanding it to other things. So there's imagery. Oh, great. We can do a bit of AI. Bang, create this image, put it in. Okay, awesome. But then we're starting to see the bits of it like with campaigns and building out things. So it's more about, oh, okay, AI, have a – and this is where they're going. So this is a signpost of where they're going in some yes. ways. Have a look at all the contacts that bought this particular product over the last year. Analyze it all. Build me out a campaign yes. with some example messaging about how you'd talk to them. And in fact, looking at all the interactions, can you just build a persona profile based on those? You know, these are all the kind of things that mm-hmm. I imagine they're going. That's how AI is going to help because it's yeah. going to pull all the data. Now, even when you look at ChatSpot, it's nowhere near there. I, I guess there's bits of it coming, but that's what I want to see. I want to see build me out a process and a workflow or based on the interactions we've had with all of these customers that became a customer over the last year, what kind of sales pipeline would you recommend? Yeah. Prepare the sales uh, pipeline stages for me. There it is. Okay. Do you, do you want that? Okay. Uh, next, uh, what kind of uh, collateral or sequences do you think we should do at each? Bang. You know, that's the kind of stuff that they should be aiming for, and I'm assuming they are. So all their recent AI announcements, I kind of think are just just on the surface, and I'm looking forward to where this goes over the next year. Yes. So I think one big thing to be aware of, and you just kind of prompted me, Craig, was people are using ChatGPT, for example, on data that's, you know, a certain set of data, right? The power of AI within HubSpot is to use that plus the data that's yours within HubSpot to get greater insight and better asset creation, let's call it. And I think that's the that's going to be the game changer when we talk about how this all works. It's having all of this data to be trained on, but also having very specific data that is yours that you can utilize with the AI. Uh, next, you'll see there's AI workflow descriptions. That's another one. The other thing you can now, I mean, when you're editing websites and landing pages, you can actually edit the navigation menu from the tools menu instead of going more clicks, which is... I know it sounds trivial, but... It's the little things, Ian. That's right. It's the little things that matter. And then there are conditional logic on form submits. So that was really good. So, and we encourage you all, we're actually posting to LinkedIn lots. So have a look at the Hubshots LinkedIn page and the Zen LinkedIn page. And there are links in the show notes for that. Yeah, what we're trying to do that, and please go and follow our pages, uh... Yeah, just lets us know that that's useful. But what we're trying to do is all these little quick tips, we're just going to put them on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I think there's a bit of a change in how we do this show. So we used to have, we still do tips and things like that in the show, but a lot of them just quick that can be captured on LinkedIn and doing a podcast around them. And that might not be as much value as us talking maybe around larger pictures 
pieces and how they fit in your overall picture of a company and how to use them. So we will talk more about strategy and what we're seeing clients use that they find useful. Yeah. All right. On to our marketing feature of the week. Again, uh, featuring AI. This is the campaign assistant that they've released at Inbound. And it's basically a free AI marketing asset creator. So at the moment, it's doing landing pages, marketing emails, can write Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn ad copy. Instagram, it will roll out very shortly. And she was interesting at Inbound when I tried this, LinkedIn wasn't there. I think I came back and it was there. So, so they are doing it bit by bit. Now, what is interesting, you have to create these individually. I put screenshots in here. I think when people heard about that, they thought, oh, great, I can create a campaign. I'll just tell it. I want to create a campaign to reach mums and dads who want to build a new house in Sydney, right? And then it'll go and create the landing page, the email copy, but that's not how it works, people. That's maybe how it's going to work. But currently, you essentially have to create um, these assets separately. So you've got to create the landing, give it the what you want from the landing page, the email copy, the social posts, the LinkedIn ads, etc. And this is a tool that's available to everybody, right? So you don't have to be a HubSpot user to actually do this. The benefit of a HubSpot user is it's a one-click button and straight into your HubSpot, right? Now, admittedly, with emails and landing pages, I think the template, it has a default template, so it's not fully there as yet. But you know what? It's a great start. Like if you can just click that button and it goes in there, your head and you'll see in our test we've got a linkedin ad where it'll push it straight into the hubspot ads tool in one click so it saves you all of that mucking around so well worth using it it is getting better by the day so i definitely encourage people if you haven't looked at it sign up and use it with your hubspot login all right craig do you want to talk about the hubspot sales feature of the week Well, I think you alluded to this earlier and the prospecting tool. It's one of those things that when you roll it out and you go, oh, what's this? Oh, okay, I get it straight away. And when you start talking about it with sales teams, like, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's what we want. Now, I'll just tell uh, viewers the screenshots we've got are from their their demo. They're not from our or any any customer's portal because it would show things that, you know, private. But it's a nice interface. They've taken the lead, I think, well, again, from Salesforce, there's this kind of sense of leads and contacts and separate. But that's okay because I think that's the feedback they're getting. People have kind of been trained in the Salesforce world to want this kind of mini uh, subset of leads and how it's handled. So they're doing that without breaking the overall single contact and lifecycle stages. So it's quite nice. I think sales teams, bigger sales teams, more especially enterprise and mid-market will love this kind of stuff. Pulls a whole bunch of things together. And based on these screenshots, you can then send, it's really, here's your work. It's about guiding salespeople to what, what to work on next, clearing their view of clutter. Now, one of the things that I, you and I have both loved is views on contacts. Yes. Oh, we can filter this down. And we are often surprised when we go and show this to clients who are heavy HubSpot users and we're showing them views. We're going, oh, how many views are you using? Oh, we don't really use them. We're like, what? Oh, yeah. And then we're talking about, like, I just want to see the client, the contacts I've got to follow up. And they're doing all these kinds of things. Like the number of clients lately we've seen where they create a deal mm. for a contact purely to say, this is the contact I need to follow up. Yeah. And we're like, well, why are you doing that? That's really inefficient. 
there's ways you can easily filter your views. You can use lead status and lifecycle stage Correct. and all these things. A little bit of training would get them, but they're not embracing it. Hmm. And I find that surprising, but I think HubSpot's been getting that feedback. They're like, ah, that's why you need this prospecting tool because they haven't embraced the views. And I'm not sure why that is. And maybe it's an intuitiveness uh, problem, but this whole prospecting uh, feature overcomes that. It takes away all that noise and brings it down to just what you're using. So I think it's really uh, useful and it's going to be very, very popular. What, what are your thoughts on on the prospecting tool so far, Ian? All the people in sales I've showed it to have been very receptive to it, Craig. Yep. Now, my next thing is I'm going to have to go and make sure that they're using it. So <laughs> that's the next part. But I think it is a great start. When I first heard about it, I was a bit concerned thinking, oh, it's getting separated. When someone first told me, I was like, I was a bit dubious about it. But now seeing how it's implemented, I think it has brought clarity to sales teams and just taking away that clutter and noise. So I do think it's going to just go from strength to strength from where it is now. Yeah. So I agree. The, the, the product team that built this have obviously spoken with users. Well, probably their own HubSpot sales reps and really worked out, oh, this is actually what's helpful. As opposed to sometimes we see features roll out and it's like, did the product team ever use this themselves? This is something they've definitely used. So, yeah. All right. What's our HubSpot workflow feature of the week, Craig? This is not new. It's a month or two old now. It's the workflow cleanup feature. A simple button that appears in workflows. If there's optimizations that HubSpot can make, that button will appear and then it'll just clean it up. So, I'll give you a very simple example. Maybe all those old workflows, you had branches of branches. Do you remember back when branches only had two options? It was yes or no. There was no kind of multiple um, branches that you could have. So you'd have branch this and then, then from there's a branch under there and then under there's branch brand. Classic stuff that uh, this just fixes. So that's a good example. Combine that up into one branch. Oh, beautiful. So it's a declutter button for your workflows. Our team have embraced it so much. I went looking for examples in our portal because I know they'd shared it on LinkedIn before. Couldn't find any because they've gone and cleaned up all the workflows. So, yeah, go and grab it. Uh, we do have an example on LinkedIn. You can jump and have a look. But, yeah, just try it out. It's great. Yeah. So, I think behind that, Craig, is the AI running to, to actually decipher what can be cleaned up and what can be made better. So, there's another thing that they've rolled out. So, I think we're going to see more and more of this everywhere in the in the platform all right and now on to our cms feature or hub feature of the week craig and this is this is okay i'll tell you where this conversation started i was having my annual lobster roll in boston which is now oh, yeah. very expensive but it was thoroughly enjoyable and i was sitting there and there were a couple of guys who were from another business Actually, I think they were all on the marketing team. One was looking after social, one was looking after ads, one was looking after content, et cetera. And I was listening to their conversation and towards the end of my meal, I started having, they, they asked me a question, then we started having a conversation. And this is where this thing came out of. So they were using HubSpot, right? And their website was on WordPress. They obviously are a decent sized business. They've got an IT team that manages the website. So they actually can't update it. Like I think they've got to put a change request in to update a a website page. So things do take time. They can obviously publish social, run all of that stuff. But essentially, they did not know that you could make your HubSpot landing pages look exactly like your website. So 
they could manage uh, landing pages and publish things. They thought they had to create landing pages on WordPress and go through this long process. So the lesson here is you can make it look exactly like your website. So I'm just trying to understand what they didn't understand. Like they didn't understand you could have That's right. And- they didn't understand. And this is a common misconception right. with people. They think that HubSpot cannot look or feel like a really high-class website. Or they think, oh, it's right. limited in this way. I can't do that. It doesn't look that yeah. nice, they, they, oh. all of these features. But it's it's essentially a framework that, can replicate any website, right? This is the problem. You know, uh, a little bit of an aside. If you look at all the landing page tools out there, I mean, we yes. use them all, Unbounce and all the various ones. They yep. are limited and they're very much, oh, here's a template, use this. You can change a cut, you know, drag and drop, but it's very limited. You're trying to get in the code behind. No, you can't do that. Can I add JavaScript? No, CSS edit? No, you can't. So if you just think HubSpot is a landing page tool, yep. I can understand why you think that. You're just like, oh. No, but it's a fully enterprise-grade exactly. CMS. So they yeah. didn't understand that, right? And they were, I heard them talking about something, and I think it was just taking a long time. And I said, oh, do you actually have, you're using marketing professional? Yes. Okay. Yep. You're publishing posts and doing all that stuff. Okay. Have you created a landing page? Nah, it doesn't look anything like. I'm like, is there a theme that's actually like, looks like your website? Oh, is, I don't know. <laughs> So I said, you should be able to do it. I said, the only difference is, is that you would have to, because your web main website is WordPress, your landing pages would have to be on a subdomain, right? So in, in the show notes, I have put, um, let's say we got www.hubshots.com. Our landing pages possibly could be hosted on go.hubshots.com and no one would ever know. It still is hubshots.com, right? And Unless you are a stickler and you notice stuff like that, you're not going to notice that the domain actually changed because it looks like you're traveling around the current live site. So that was the first revelation they had. They were like, oh, we can turn stuff out really quickly if we have the ability to do this, right? So I'm sure these three guys have gone away and gone to investigate it. So that's the first thing. It shouldn't look any different. The only thing that you'll see change is the subdomain will, will appear. The next thing that's a benefit to you, you should be able to quickly launch landing pages, right? And you should be able to personalize it using smart content. So that is a massive benefit to you is you can use smart content based on device, location, etc. Some of the interesting things Craig has done in the past is if people are from certain countries, he hides forms, right? Or he puts dummy forms in so it can't submit it. So that's a perfect example. You can change the language. You can change what's displayed on the page based on location and so on. That's the first thing. The next thing is you should be able to split test the landing pages and do it relatively Mm. quickly and painlessly. So I think those three things are a massive benefit. So I think if you're using WordPress and you're not utilizing this, Pause the show right here and go and investigate to actually make sure it gets done. And if you don't know where to start, you can always just shoot us a message and we will guide you in the right direction. That's such a good point. And can I just speak to some objections that we hear sometimes, which are, oh, I don't like it being on two different domains because then we can't track it. Our analytics doesn't work. That's all been solved years ago. You can do cross-domain tracking. HubSpot does it. Beautifully, almost out of the box. It is a setting that you can set on or off, but yeah, cross domain. So you don't lose that. If they're coming from one domain to the other, it's not like it suddenly becomes a referral yes. and you lose the original source and all of that. 
all of that's certainly possible now. So that's not an, an objection. And here's the real thing. When people start going, oh, well, we're going to use HubSpot for landing pages because it's so quick and easy to use. Oh, great. It looks exactly the same. Great. Okay. And then you kind of say, so why are you using WordPress for your main site? Why don't you build everything on HubSpot? And it is kind of the gateway drug landing pages, the gateway drug to, yep, let's put everything on CMS for those reasons you mentioned, personalization, smart content, it's all there, uh, split testing, all of that kind of stuff that's there. I know you can kind of do those things in WordPress and there's plugins and kind of thing, but it's all built in to HubSpot. Big fan of HubSpot CMS, and this is another example why. All right. We've got a HubSpot cool item of the week, Craig. Tell me about that. <laughs> this kind of snuck in. It's the HubSpot guide creator. It's a little tool for capturing processes uh, in, in the browser, web-based tools. So, you, you know, sometimes you're doing a process, click here, then go scroll down, then click here, then choose that, press OK. OK, those little guides, it's a little tool for doing that. It's simple to get started. And I think I can, I'm not sure why they're doing it, frankly, but I'm glad they are. It's in beta. It's pretty basic and actually it's a bit of a mess once it's kind of confusing once you've recorded, like how do you share it? How, what do you do now? Like it, it, it's not, you know, it's not production ready, I don't think, but it's a beta. And by the way, you just limited to 10 guides per portal. It's a free tool. Yeah. Go and check it out. There's no downside to checking this out. And it's kind of, it's kind of nice for simple use cases. It might be all you need. All right. So we have a listener question of the week. And the question was, what languages can I use with my chatbots? And I've never had that question, Craig, but tell us. Yeah, well, they were saying, look, we've got uh, multiple languages on our site and we want to have a chatbot and we want people to be able to speak in their language. And is that possible in HubSpot? I'm like, yeah, sure. And basically the chatbot, when you start, the first thing it asks you is which language do you want to write it for? Now, by the way, just so people are aware, you've got to have a different chatbot for a different language. It's not like you can do it in one chatbot and okay. kind of branch or flip yep. out on the fly. It's a different one. But that's normally going to be fine because you're going to show that chatbot on that yes. part of the site for that language, right? So it's, it totally makes cool. sense. So the answer is yes, you can do All it. All right. And here is the app marketplace. Uh, sorry, the app marketplace app of the week. <laughs> that's a little tongue twister for you. Anyway, so I... I was actually working with a customer and they said, oh, I want to set a future date on a ticket, actually. That's how it all started. So when they made a sale, they were creating individual tickets for items that they needed to fulfill with the customer and they wanted to track it because every, everybody was kind of different. And they said, we need to set that date. And I'm like, okay. So I couldn't do it. And then anyway, I was, I was digging around and I actually discovered this app in the marketplace called Future Date Calculator app which really fits in nicely to workflows. And it was so easy to use, Craig. Oh, I, I use it so, I've used it so much and installed it in a few different places now, and I'm really enjoying using it. So bravo to the guys who built that. It has made my life easier, but it has probably made lots of people's lives easier. I haven't used it myself, but when you showed me, I was like, oh, this is great, and I've shared it with the team. But yes. it's free. And they've got a bunch of them, this particular yeah. company. All right. What's next, Craig? Adding emojis in record sections. You've put this as your Kaizen tip of the week. So incremental change, little good change or improvements. So got a screenshot here. We, we like putting little emojis into the record sections. Pretty easy to do when you're customizing a record uh, and sections you just paste in. Go over to getemoji.com or you, one of those you sites. Did a, you you copy did a great job of doing it, Craig. I just did one. I just did one tile. You did all your tiles. <laughs> Oh, I've done a bunch of them, yeah. 
All right. Okay, here we go. We've got the Hubshot's bogus tip of the week. Take it away, Craig. All right. How, here's the question. How do you reduce your hard bounce rates? And this is important, first of all. Why, actually, why is it important? Because when you send out email campaigns, HubSpot marketing email campaigns, HubSpot looks at your bounce rates and your spam rates and unsubscribe rates. And if they're too high, it can actually potentially get hmm. your account suspended. So based on percentage rates. Okay. So then the question is, well, how do you reduce your hard bounce rate? So I was chatting with Adam um, at FGM. Thanks um, for this one, uh, Adam Down, a great friend of the show. And oh, and by the way, we caught up with him oh, on no, Monday night. Fantastic. It was great for burgers. Anyway, I digress. But he was telling me, he's like, here's the crazy thing. Do you know how to get your bounce rates down? You just send more emails. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a percentage-based game, yeah. right, Craig? <laughs> it's a percentage thing. And so here's the thing with bounce rates. Let's say, and I'll just work through some quick numbers. Let's say 20 uh, percent, uh, well, let's say 24% churn rate is the average for accounts. So there you've, let's say you've got 100 contacts, 24% churn rate. So that's about 24 contacts over 12 months. That's two per month. Okay. So if you're sending out to those 100 and two of them are bouncing, if you're sending every month, 2% bounce rate, acceptable. Let's say you send out quarterly. Oh, so those same 100 people. Well, three months later, oh, there's probably six of them are gone. Oh, wow. That's 6%. Bounce rate, your account's probably been flagged. So you see the numbers there. So it's crazy. What it's actually meaning is that you should be sending more emails, even if they're not more that often. relevant, just so that you keep these bounce rates, these percentages down. So you're kind of probably going to reduce quality, but you've reduced your chance of your account having issues. So I think that's crazy. That's why we've called it the bogus tip of the week, but it actually is, it's just a numbers game. And so that's how you keep going. What's the summary? Send more emails. So Craig, do you think it's send more emails more often? So if like frequent, yes, it's frequency, but not frequency. even like, yep. uh, let's call it segmentation. It's actually just have a larger number that you're sending it to and do it more often. Yeah. Well, if you just do the numbers and let's say a typical churn rate is 20 to 30% per year. So based on those numbers- if you're not sending at least monthly to your most of your database, you're really setting yourself up potentially for hitting bounce rate limits. And look, HubSpot's reasonable. It's not like they're ruthless, but you could potentially get, oh, we've temporarily suspended your account because of such and such because you just didn't send many emails last year. Oh, we didn't really have anything relevant to say. And there's lots of corporates that are like this. And so I think this is the problem. And, and, and I don't know what the solution is, but I think, it's, well... From the HubSpot side, I see why they do it for email deliverability, but uh, it's a silly solution to the problem. You know so. what? You know what, Craig? I actually listened to some training from somebody. I think they're in the U. Oh, I think they're in the US. Their agency. All they do is focus on email deliverability mm. and and improving that for people. So, yeah, how do they warm up the domain? They're talking about warming up the domain possibly even having multiple domains that emails are getting sent from. So it, it was kind of interesting in that perspective to think that this is happening and then there are people purely focused on it. So I think something to be aware of and thank you for highlighting it. Yeah. And by the way, it gets worse because as Adam was pointing out to me, often corporates will delete um, accounts on a, yep. a semi-regular schedule. 
right? So they might do it quarterly. So what that means is initially someone leaves the company and the first thing that they do as well, their, their, their inbox kind of okay. probably diverts to their manager in the interim until they pile up. And then eventually the IT manager says, oh, we've got about, you know, all these ones accumulated. So this quarter we'll delete them. So bang, mm. suddenly you get this spike in bounced emails. And so it's important that if you're over your database, you don't like, well, suddenly all those accounts. So if you've been doing it monthly, oh, this one had culled a bunch then and then next month I got them so they don't accumulate. Yeah. You've got to think about this. And um, I know I've kind of labored the point here, but this has kind of been an eye opener for me. Yeah. All right. Some listener feedback of the week. So listeners, you might, you might know that we, uh, if you're on our website, we're collecting feedback. We run a MPS, I think every three months, Craig, I've forgotten how long, but this is one of our feedback from our listeners, Sasika. So thank you for the feedback. She's he or she, I'm not hundred percent sure said, I love the structure of your podcast, the video functionality and being able to see you guys plus click through to the relevant section. So good. Thanks for all your knowledge and sharing it with us. So shout out to you and thank you for that, those kind words. Yeah, made our day. Thank you. All right, Craig, what's the AI prompt? Oh, another candid photo. Like they, these look so good. Um, some of the team, I forget what site this was for, but yeah, just um, someone working in a laptop, casual wear, and it's done the nice bokeh, you know, focus piece and everything. Midjourney is so good at these. And these are the kinds of things. I mean, you wouldn't use this as team members. Like I was chatting with a client the other day. Oh, when should we use those kind of candid shots of people? Should we use them on our team page? I'm like, no, 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 don't use them. Don't pretend they're actual team members. You use them in place okay. of those stock images that you used to have on hero shots and backgrounds and that. You churn these up in mid-journey. You can uh, do variations and get a whole series of them. So, yeah, we're doing this with a lot of clients. We've got a whole bunch of inspiration on our Zen Create page and plus our LinkedIn page. Check that out. There's normally two or three examples every day of prompts that we're using. What's the thought of the week, Craig? All right. Now, I will just acknowledge that we're probably almost close to an hour in this uh, episode. This is a bumper episode. We haven't recorded for a while. Is this so like three episodes or four episodes in one, Craig? <laughs> it is. It is. But I know I know you're going away for a little bit and that's so, a um, it's one of those bumper episodes. I hope you're enjoying it, listeners. Anyway, this is thought of the week around HubSpot's CRM puzzle. So I've been writing a lot on my blog, as you know lately, Ian, and I'm trying to trying to yes. find my voice and find out what I'm interested in writing about. And as I've said before, I don't know what I think until I write it. That's a quote that kind of I resonate with. Anyway, I was thinking about HubSpot's CRM puzzle. This was kind of in the light of inbound and just thinking about where they're going with the sales tools. And I was considering these three parts of, a, of CRM and outreach and sales tools. So you've got that CRM foundation that HubSpot has. But then you've got this database for like of say Zoom Info or Apollo.io and there's plenty of others where they have millions of contacts, all that data. So they're a data platform. HubSpot doesn't have that yet. And so they'll integrate with any of these. You can integrate Zoom Info with HubSpot and Apollo.io. So that's the second thing. So you've got CRM tools we've been looking at, but then you've got all this database of contacts potentially to buy leads from. You're essentially buying leads. And then you might import them into HubSpot and then you might do sequences or cold outreach to them. But then the third part is you've got engagement data. So 
you can imagine HubSpot, I don't know how many million contacts there are across all their customer portals, you know, it'd be hundreds of millions of contacts, right? And HubSpot would have access to the engagement data of those contacts. They would know which contacts open emails, what their interests are, right? So you've got these three parts which have a compelling synergy if you could combine them. Now, you've got to be careful, a lot of privacy concerns and also customers. Imagine if customers found out, oh, we're uploading all our contacts to HubSpot and what, they're using that to get engagement data, to enrich data for other portals? There'd be out, the outcry, right? So there's totally a whole lot of privacy and, and data sharing concerns. I get that. Put that to the side. But you think of those three things, it's like, wow, how compelling is that? Imagine I go into HubSpot, I just sign up for free or starter. I go into HubSpot and I say, oh, uh, out of the hundreds of millions of contacts that have of enriched data that you have access to, oh, I'd like to buy 2,000 with this filtering and this buyer intent and these engagement piece. Pull them into my portal, do that for me, and now I'll send them a sequence. What a compelling feature that would be. Whereas at the moment, we have to do a mishmash of tools. We kind of have, oh, I'm in HubSpot. I'll go over to Apollo. I'll make my selection. I'll import them over. Then I'll... Uh, you know, I might get enrichment from Apollo or maybe from Zoom Info. Then I'll bring them in. Then I'll send the cold outreach. And then I'll wait to see what the response is to get the engagement, all that kind of thing. It's very manual. All the data pieces are there. And my pondering was, well, what's HubSpot going to do this? Surely they want to do this. But legislative or, and privacy concerns prevent them. And so that's the puzzle that they've got to unravel. Anyway, that's uh, an article I wrote. You can also go and see it on, on LinkedIn. But I'd love to know what HubSpot's doing there. You know, earlier yep. in the show, we're talking about what's the direction they're going in. Is it this? I don't think they can if they wanted to say this. But they must, internally, people must be going, what's the privacy pros and cons? And, and I'm sure they've tried to acquire Apollo in the past or one of these platforms. Apollo is so big now, they've probably missed that opportunity. But I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if Darmesh is an investor in Apollo. Wouldn't surprise me. He's probably an early investor. Isn't he (laughs) investing in everything? That's the puzzle. Uh, That was my thought of the week. Uh, Nothing actionable that you can do as a listener based on that, but just maybe something to be considering. So I'll tell you one thing that I did, I do notice, Craig, Mm. and I don't know whether this is sometimes when we put data in or contact has come in and it's obviously bounced somewhere else, right? Yeah, HubSpot knows that, so it yeah. actually says this contact. So it is aware, like it's it's somewhere in this ecosystem. Oh, they're aware of everything, but and they've got to be careful. Send an email. Yeah, they've got to be very careful what they surface. Correct, and I don't mind that. Like if 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 it has been bounced elsewhere, like save myself the effort and trying to stop that from happening. I think it's protecting them, it's protecting me, so that's probably okay. Bounced email is probably fine because it's probably a dead yes. contact. Correct. And you notice they don't do it for, say, big corporate domains. They'll only do it for, you know, Gmails and free accounts. Correct, yes. So they're very yeah. careful on that. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's like the tip of the iceberg for what we're talking yeah. about here, yeah. All right, on to our quote of the week, Craig. And actually this, I, lo- I actually really love this because – Steve Bartlett spoke at Inbound and I actually hadn't listened to him for a long time. I hadn't listened to him a lot. I I, I was aware of him and you had mentioned you were reading the book and when I heard him speak, this was like one of the key things that he mentioned. 
you must outfail your competition, right? And in his book, it says failure equals feedback, feedback equals knowledge, and knowledge equals power. Failure gives you power. And, he, and that's one of, the, one of the things he said. He said, there is nothing that I can write or I could, or nothing that you can read in a book or that I can tell you in relation to like marketing and what's happening. He goes, you're going to have to fail really fast to work it out and iterate and keep trying new things and then doubling down on the things that are working. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, take note here because he goes, what something, and I don't know whether these numbers are accurate as I remember them, what used to take three months to do is now taking three weeks and it's just going to keep compounding like that where he goes, like kids in in the current generation as they enter the workforce, something that took two years is going to take two weeks. So like we're getting these compounding timeframes and the people that can fail fast are the ones that are going to win. So I think it's a reminder to us all. And I think like your thing you were talking about publishing earlier, it's about that, right? You've just got to be consistent and do it. And even a lesson to both of us, be consistent with our podcast <laughs> this year. Uh, so I think listeners, don't be afraid to push the button, don't sit on things and feel like you've got to refine it till it's perfect because there is no perfect, right? You will get feedback and you'll reiterate and you'll go again. And I think we stand here as, as a testament to that of iterating 300 plus episodes and then getting to the end. So, and you'll never get to the end. It keeps changing, but that's right. it's a good philosophy to live by. I think it's also worth clarifying when he talks about what failure is. Failure doesn't have to be big. It can be small. Correct. So you can A-B test a page. Yeah. Oh, we tested that. No, it didn't work. That's yeah. a failure in this sense. But to you and me, it's just like, oh, we test and measure. Correct. It really is just, yeah. Test and measure. We haven't said test and measure for ages, Craig. We need to bring that back. <laughs> Got to get it on the caps. The hub shots That's cap. right. Test and measure. Okay, there is some training, uh, and this is about importing notes from one portal to another, and it is on the Zen knowledge uh, base. Yeah, we did a big uh, data migration, um, putting yes. one portal to another. So there's a lot of things we learned along the way. So you can share in our learnings there. And it was well documented, Craig, because I went to it to go to read it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll come back when I need this." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. well done to you and the team for actually documenting it yeah, step by step and showing us team, what to do. But yeah, okay, yeah, it was they did a great job. And finally, listeners, if you have not used the HubShots framework, which funnily enough, people are loving, and uh, actually, it's not funny. We we all put a lot of work into it, especially you, Craig. So I want to acknowledge that, and uh, it is constantly changing. We actually use it for all of our customers across our businesses. And if you want to use it, go for it. Just acknowledge us and and also sign up because there are updates that happen frequently. It's a bit like HubSpot. We keep updating it to make it make it current and relevant. So I encourage you to get it, print it up, stick it on the wall. It can be printed in a three size, even bigger, I'm sure. And write on it, make it yours and Create that path ahead for your HubSpot, right? Like that's really what it's for. Bring clarity to this lots of stuff that's going on and see things change in your business and maximize your use of HubSpot. We're doing performance reviews in, in yes. the company at the moment. We're chatting yep. with um, today. And so we do one of the sections, performance review is like, what's your current skills and what's your future skills? Where do you want to yep. go to? 
And this wasn't uh, the credit to the uh, the person. Um, she said, oh, well, I kind of feel my current skill sets are stage one and two of the framework. And by the end of this year, I really want to get to stage four where I understand attribution. I'm like, wow, that's a great idea for planning your skills progress. Yes. You know, she's newer in the business. And it's like, oh, great. And so I'm almost like, oh, yeah, this is an onboarding skills. It's not, it's not just a framework for clients on how you use HubSpot. It's a framework for how you train your HubSpot team. Anyway, Correct. just another thought. I can't take credit for it. She did it. And, you know, you can probably tell she's got a bright future ahead of her. <laughs> well, listeners, it's been great to be back. And again, we are on YouTube. So if you haven't looked at it, please go to our channel and like us on YouTube. You will see the shorts and the videos coming out. And again, connect with me on LinkedIn. Search for me and connect with me on LinkedIn. Craig, can they connect with you on LinkedIn too now, now that you're on there? Yep, I'm back on LinkedIn. Please connect. I, I check it every day now. I, previously, I used to check it once every month or two. So, yeah, I'm back. So, the one thing for this episode, please connect with myself and Craig on LinkedIn and tell us you listen to the episode. We'd love to hear from you and we do appreciate all our listeners. So, thank you very much. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at HubShots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.